What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio, Trey Yannity, Marty Leaf, Nick Caparoso. We join you today with two games in the books, exhibition games, albeit, but the Pirates are back. The Cleveland Indians have gotten the best of Pittsburgh these last two nights, but gentlemen, there's a lot of positive takeaways. Let's jump right into it. Joe Musgrove was given the ball on night number one in Pittsburgh. I thought he was brilliant. If we can get that kind of Joe Musgrove all season, this team's going to be in great shape. What are you guys' thoughts on on really game number one and, and Musgrove's start there? Yeah, I thought I thought Joe looked terrific on Saturday night. Um, I mean, early in the season, early in the season, excuse me, pitching is always ahead of hitting. But Musgrove was not just pitching well; he was making the Indians' batters look bad, and that's a good Cleveland lineup. That lineup can hit, and he made them look bad Saturday night. So if that is any sign of things to come from Musgrove this season, that'll be a great boost for this starting rotation. And for a pitching staff, that honestly is probably going to need about all the help they can get. So hopefully that will be a sign of things to come from Musgrove this year. I know I personally have high expectations for Musgrove this year. I wrote earlier in the offseason about why this could be the year Musgrove really puts it all together and breaks out as a starting pitcher. So let's hope that Saturday night was the start of that breakout season for Musgrove. Yeah, he – um definitely looked sharp on Saturday. One thing I know, uh, he was on a interview on MLB network yesterday and he was talking about just working a lot more up in the zone and working, you know, throwing his fastball, trying to get more velocity on that. And he actually noted that his fastball velocity is up, which is something good to see, uh, from him. Cause that's going to allow him to take that next step. Like you kind of said, Marty, he's always had the the stuff. And in Houston, he was brought up pretty young and never really got a chance in their rotation, which I think might have stunted his development a little bit, just you know, being moved in and out of AAA and the bullpen and then getting traded to here and undergoing a completely different pitching philosophy. So hopefully 
you know, now that he's a little older and, you know, being able to pitch more to his liking, he can tap into that first round potential he had when the Astros draft. Yeah, and I think confidence is is just so huge for a guy like Joe Musgrove. And Oscar Marine already may be proving that he's going to let these guys perform the way they want to um, and really just get after it. Confidence from a lot of guys uh, on this team throughout game number one. And we're going to get into it a little bit later. Absolutely loaded show for you guys this week. But Eric Gonzalez was a guy that I thought showed more confidence than just about anybody. Didn't, you know, drive the ball necessarily, but did some solid hitting, drove in the first two runs of the night, um, and really just got the Pirates off to a great start. What was your thoughts on the infield as a whole and, and Gonzalez's big night to begin the exhibitions? Eric Gonzalez, you know, it's interesting as he returns against his former team, the Cleveland Indians. And, of course, we saw Jordan Luplo hit that home run last night as well. So that brought up a lot of memories about that trade. And, you know, right off the bat, people are remembering Luplo for Gonzalez. But there, there was also two minor league pitchers in that trade. And one is that Tanaj Thomas, who's quickly becoming one of the top uh, prospects in all of baseball. So, you know, there's still more to come from that trade, so let's not judge it yet. But like you said, Gonzalez, uh, you know, he had a couple hits in that first game. And really, he, looking back to last year, he missed so much time with that injury that, once again, he didn't really get a chance to, um, you know, establish uh, any sort of consistency playing so when he finally came back in the second half of the year through his 37 games, he hit 275. Now he only slugged 330, but when you're talking about a utility infielder who's a glove first guy, if he can give you a batting average in 275, he's going to find a spot on your roster. And, uh, you know, if he can come out and, like I said, give them that position flexibility, any offense he can add will be a bonus. Yeah, like Nick said, with a guy like Gonzalez, even slightly below average offense, he'll take it because of his glove. I mean, things did not go as well for him in the second exhibition game, striking out with the bases loaded, nobody out. But he did look well at the plate on Saturday night. And one thing with Gonzalez that has always kind of been a conundrum for his career and probably makes teams like the Pirates want to give him an opportunity is – even though his offensive numbers overall are not good, he has always had an above average hard contact rate and above average exit velocity. So he hits the ball hard just for whatever reason, he's not collecting hits. So there's definitely something there. to work. I mean, he was another one, you know, he was, he was rated as a pretty good prospect in the Indian system and kind of like Musgrove, his development was a little affected just because he never really got a chance at the big league level for Cleveland. He, uh, was brought up there to, you know, hopefully one day be their starting shortstop. But then Francisco Lindor obviously broke out and never looked back. And so Gonzalez kind of was a man without a job. And I think that very much like Musgrove as a starter in Houston might have sunned his growth a little bit just because as prospect, these guys had, you know, high expectations. Yeah, and with JT Riddle still being unheard of for three or four days now, um, you have to wonder whether or not he's going to be on the roster come Friday. And if he is not, that's just going to create even further opportunity for Gonzalez. Because if Riddle is not on the opening day roster, you have to imagine that Gonzalez is going to be your go-to guy to back up at third base. 
potentially back up a shortstop, and that could potentially lead to him getting some more bats and getting some more opportunities during the season. On top of that, you see Tucker in the outfield also, which might be a little telling of, you know, like you said with Riddle, how he was going to be more of that uh, utility guy to play some infield and outfield. Now it looks like they might be changing that to Tucker just to get him in the lineup. Yeah, I was just about to say, Nick, it's so funny to kind of see in these exhibition games kind of the, the team telling you what what's going to happen this season and with so many options at infield right now. We had an argument about it on Saturday night when we found out the lineup. You know, you got guys like Kevin Newman that it's hard to keep that bat out of your lineup, but you got to find a spot for Gonzalez as well. Um, so, I, you know, it, putting Cole Tucker in, in, in the outfield might be that best option there. Uh, but like you said, it's it's really just great to see this guy continuing to hit the ball hard and um, give the Pirates some return for that Jordan Luplo trade. Uh, I mean, the, the big thing with that, you know, also is the Pirates are just – they're in a good situation where they can allow this opportunity. Like, it's – let's – we're not fooling anyone. You know, we're, yeah. we're hoping that we have a good year. But, you know, realistically, this team – they need some work and giving a guy like Gonzalez an opportunity to maybe prove that, you know, he was a top prospect for a reason, you know, and give him that opportunity. If he can prove it great, if not, I mean, what are you really losing? Especially if you're able to find at bats for, you know, the key guys like Tucker and stuff like that elsewhere. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, this team, like you said, it's no secret. This team's not supposed to win the division. This team's not supposed to come in second, third or even fourth this year, but it was really cool to see on Saturday night just how confident they were. It seemed like nobody really kind of played into the the belief that this team isn't isn't ready to um, you know perform at this level. We saw so many first pitch swings. You see Brian Reynolds get up the first pitch in months um, in you know a, a game style like this, and he drives it to center field for a base hit. Do you think that this team kind of has a chip on their shoulder right now? Is this we've seen it in years past? This does this team have that same? energy of we're the underdogs but we can do this well i think one thing that has really come about with Derek sheldon with his coaching staff and honestly it's probably trickles all the way up to ben charrington and his guys is even if the team is not necessarily expected to compete not necessarily expected to win they're not going to have that attitude um sheldon charrington all of those guys have set this mentality within this clubhouse within this organization that that's not how it's going to be in Pittsburgh moving forward. And before you can be a winning team, before you can be a successful team in any sport, you have to have that culture. You have to have that mentality. And it's good to see the Pirates have it. And then really, if you look at the guys they brought in for this front office, for this coaching staff, it's not a surprise. You have Ben Charrington who won a World Series with the Red Sox, the general manager, build another team that went on to win the World Series after he was gone. With the coaching staff, you have Sheldon, who's been with the Rays, who was with Minnesota last year when they were a postseason team. You have Donnie Kelly, who was played on a lot of very good Tigers teams, who was on the coaching staff in Houston the last few years. So you brought in guys who have been around winning cultures, guys who knows what it takes to build that that clubhouse culture that we are going to be winners. And I think even if the Pirates aren't a winning team this year, you're already seeing – 
the influences of those guys on this clubhouse, which is absolutely great to see on a team with so many young players. I think one nice thing, too, is the clarity that we get from Shelton and some of the other coaches and even the front office. Like the the previous front office, especially they, they operated under such a, you know, secretive thing. A lot of times you didn't hear about a signing or a trade until it actually happened, you know? And, you know, with these guys, they seem a little more open. They're, they're educating the fan base about what they're trying to do. You know, they're talking about RPM. They're talking about exit velocity, launch angle, Respato, you know, trackman data, stuff like that. Like, you know, even like Marty said, even though we look at the paper and we see our lineup versus the other team's lineups, and yeah, they, they're not as good as they are, there's still at least this, like, every day there's this positive belief that the team's improving because they're looking at this stuff now. So while, yes, on paper they might not look as good as the rest of the division, there's definitely, like pieces in place in this lineup for a reason. And now that front office and coaching staff is letting us know, you know, what determines who, you know, are the guys that will be a part of this team moving forward and for what reasons, instead of, you know, the secretive, uh, from the Huntington regime. At the end of the day, it's just a, it's a plan. Uh, you know what you're saying? It's, it's really, this, this group is prepared. This group is That's ready I mean. to go. Yeah. They, they know and, what they want. And they sold us that plan from day one. And that, that, that's the big thing is, you know, they didn't come in here and try to feed us anything about, Oh, well, we're gonna, you know, try to put the best product on the field. No, they came in and said like, Hey, you know what? This farm system isn't in the best shape. The catching depth is not in good shape. We need to address this. They, and you know, one thing I think Pittsburgh pirates fans just want from the franchise in general is a little more honesty. And so far, I think we're getting that from the new, the new faces. It's just not, it's not being sugarcoated anymore, I guess. Um, It's real, you know, and this team, I think once they find success, which, if this group stays in charge, I think they will pretty soon. It's going to feel that much better because, you know, we did suffer and we recognized the suffering at the time. Um, but the Pirates weren't suffering for about seven innings on Saturday night until they got to the eighth. Kyle Crick came in and had an absolute meltdown. Uh, four runs, got one out, absolutely no command, just didn't have it. And we're gonna we're gonna continue to get into the bullpen woes over these last two games. Um, but but Kyle Crick specifically, is this uh, a telling sign of what we're gonna see all year, or, or is this just maybe one of those, you know, first time out in forever? Unfortunately, I think this might be a telling sign for the whole year. Um, I think 2018 might be more of an outlier for Crick. Uh, when, when we got him, this was the. Uh, the book on him that he was a hard throwing reliever. He had a pretty good slider, but you know, not really sure where it was going. And he, he's definitely improved. Obviously he's turned into a serviceable, serviceable big league reliever the last years. But the issue is, is you've seen him slowly regress over the last now um, calendar year, if not longer. So I think we might be really just seeing who Kyle Crick really is as a pitcher rather than uh, the 2018 Kyle Crick. 
Yeah, that's my fear as well. Um, I was really hoping that Crick could get back on track this year, especially with Keone Kelly looking like he's not going to be available for opening day. So the Pirates were really, really going to be in need of Crick getting it back together. But the odds of that happening right now don't look good. I mean, he was just – there was so much wrong with his outing on Saturday night. He could not hit the strike zone. He did not look confident at all in his pitches. Like, he looked like a pitcher who was going out there expecting to fail. Like you said, Nick, dating back to early June of last year, he's just been a mess. If you go back to May 27th of last season through the end of the year, his walk rate was 17.2%, which is just astonishingly bad. And for his career, he's always struggled with control. I mean, 2018 was the only year of his career his walk rate was under 13%. So there is a good shot that that season does prove to be a bit of an outlier for Crick. And if that's the case, this bullpen's probably going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I said a few episodes ago this bullpen was probably going to be the really good because of all the electric arms that they have down there that you don't know what you're going to get or the bullpen was going to be not so good. And if these two exhibition games are any sign, whenever Shelton goes to the bullpen this year, you better grab your rosaries, get your heart pills ready, get the whiskey, whatever you need, because we're probably in for a long evening at that point. And Trey, I think you hit on it too. Uh, You know, this time off definitely didn't give Crick a, a chance to rebound. And, you know, I think as more extreme case that I can think of, you know, is never Oscus, the fact that he's still finding time on the uh, mound, you know, I my, was watching a game with my dad and even he said it. And I, I think about just in general, this time off hurts guys like this, you know, you get a new pitching coach and you're hoping that, well, maybe the, this guy will tap into this, maybe, you know, this change in philosophy will turn these guys careers around, whether it would be a guy like Kyle Crick or a guy like, David Snevaroskis, who's probably definitely on his way out. But regardless, this time off could have been spent, you know, working and hopefully turning the corner. Instead, you know, now they're reverting to what they know. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not as much time as they normally would have gotten. Certainly, and and there there are you know silver linings from the bullpen. I think you take from game one, obviously seven combined scoreless from Brault and Chad Cool, um, the, really the two guys that are vying for that fifth spot in the rotation. Do we have a clear idea of maybe who's going to earn that? I know they'll probably mix and match as the season goes on, but um, out of those two, who'd you guys say kind of won the night? I mean, I <clears throat> Saturday night obviously. The starters were the better of the group. I mean, Musgrove was terrific. Brault was a little wild at times, opposed to two zeros. And I thought Chad Cole looked very good considering how long he'd been off. And honestly, I thought Saturday Night Neverowskis wasn't all that bad. He didn't hair a runner on second and gave up a double down the line, but then got a fly out and a strikeout. Now, Monday night was a different story for Neverowskis, but. I didn't think he was all that bad Saturday. I still don't think it'd be a stunner if he made the roster just because he's out of options. But And we also have not seen Jeff Hartley yet in an exhibition game. We've seen Neverowskis twice, which could be telling on the way they're leaning. But th- this bullpen, man, it's going to be something this year. 
Yeah, and you're right with the Neveroskis and the Yav options thing and the expanded rosters. We'll probably give him a chance to stick, but man, am I, I I don't know. Just watching him, I'm seeing more of the same. And at this point, I think I would rather have someone who might have more of a future at this team than Neveroskis. I mean, I, I agree on seeing more of the same thing. I totally agree, but it's like, Man, man, who the hell else are you going to go to know, at this point? Right. You, no, know, you got a like, point there, dude. Our, our depth already is questioned with Santana yeah. and Kella. And yeah, no Santana, no Kella. I think had he not gotten the coronavirus, Blake Cedarland undoubtedly makes this roster. Yeah. It just have nothing else based off his potential. So I, I'm no – Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. It's I know people are going to complain up and down if Neverowskis makes this roster – and in a lot of seasons, I would agree with them. But in a year like this with the expanded rosters and you've got to take four extra pitchers and you just don't have other options, it's – that falls more on the old regime than it does this crew because, I mean, right, they can only work with the cupboard they're left behind. Got to pick up the pieces and, and move forward with this bullpen. The Pirates lost Saturday night 5-3. to three. They then traveled on Monday night to Cleveland for their first red exhibition, game two of three with the Indians before they get the season started. And like Saturday night, a great start again. We saw Phillip Evans get up and hit an absolute bomb to left center field uh, to get the Pirates up. Really liking the bat. And, you know, we've heard Derek Shelton talk Evans up the entire time he's been in Pittsburgh. But I, I think we have something here. Yeah, I'm... I'm- getting kind of excited to see what they might have in Evans as a bench bat. Um, I do think there's a pretty good shot. He makes this roster, if nothing else, as Colin Moran's platoon partner in third base. Sheldon had a lot of good things to say about him back in the Grapefruit League, and he was killing the ball in the Grapefruit League. He slugged 656 during Grapefruit League play. Sheldon's had a lot of good things to say about him during summer camp. They've tried him all over the field. To check out his glove to look for ways to get his bat in the lineup. He's even mentioned him as a potential DH. And, you know, Monday night he just crushes a home run as first to bat. He had a double later in the game. He looks like a guy who entered to go way back to March. He entered spring training and was going to have to hit his way onto the roster. Maybe need to get a little bit of good luck along the way. Well, he has definitely done the hitting part. And honestly, the coronavirus pandemic leading to the delay to the start of the season and creating 30-man roster to start the year might be the little bit of luck that he needed. I am starting to think that we do see Evans on this opening day roster. Yeah, I think so too, Marty. Um, you know, he's definitely been one of the names that you've heard the most out of camp, especially, you know, in terms of the names we're not used to hearing. Uh, spring training, you're, same thing. He had a very nice spring and was probably pushing for a roster spot as it was, um, you know, and he's an interesting guy. He's never killed the ball through the minors. He's been uh, 264, 331 on base, 388 slugging. So it doesn't appear that he has a ton of power, but you also see guys who can kind of develop a little later in their careers. He's 27 years old, so he's not terribly old. He's only had a, 54 career uh, career plate appearances so you know it's a similar thing to what i was saying about gonzalez the pirates are in a not in a situation where 
they have a lot of young talent on their team. And Evans is one of those who I think kind of falls in that category of, uh, on, you know, he's a little older, but in terms of contractual control, he is young. Um, you know, see what you have in him. His situation definitely got a bit more interesting though. Um, when word broke on Monday, that like Brian Hayes has uh, begun to clear protocols to rejoin the team. Do we see starts out of Cabrian Hayes this year, or do they, you know, still try to work with Colin Moran? Obviously, he's been crushing the ball since play has returned. How does this affect everything with Cabrian Hayes now coming back? The designated hitter definitely helped Cabrian Hayes' chances of making this big league roster. Now, the yeah, the coronavirus, um, you know, that obviously has set him back, but the fact that he's tested a negative twice and he's able to return to camp, you know, before the regular, uh, almost a full week before the regular season started, it should allow him to get pretty up to speed. Uh, you know, I still don't think he'll open camp with the pirates, but I do think we'll see him this year when, you know, the time comes, whether it be because of a, a trade or, you know, an injury, which is bound to happen at some point. Yeah, I also think we'll see Hayes this year. Honestly, I think had he not contracted the coronavirus, there's probably a pretty good shot he would have been the third baseman coming out of summer camp. Um, now with the way Colin Moran and Philip Evans have hit the ball, that kind of muddies it up a little bit. But if Moran continues to hit the ball well, they set him a telecast Monday night. Joe Block mentioned that the Pirates do not plan on using Josh Bells or designated hitter. He is going to be their first baseman. So if – Moran continues to hit the ball well. You can always slide Moran to DH, get Hayes in there for the glove. I do think we see Hayes before the end of the season, and I do think that come opening day 2021, Key Brian Hayes will be at third base. And part of that, again, is because of the ability to move Moran to DH if Moran comes out and hits ball this year. And you got to hope that this is the call Moran we're going to see all year. I mean, the guy had two multi-hit games, a home run last night as well. He's been crushing the ball. Is this is this for real with Colin Moran this year? Are we just getting the runaround? I'll be curious to see. Um, when Garrett Cole got traded to Houston, whenever rumors first started to surface that the Pirates were talking to Houston, Colin Moran was honestly one of the first players that came to mind for me. I knew the Pirates needed a third baseman. Moran was a guy who was a high pick in the draft for the Marlins. He was a hitter I liked a lot in college. And I thought that he would be a great fit in Pittsburgh, the left-handed power swing at PNC Park. Obviously, he has not even come close to meeting those expectations the last two years. But, you know, if that hitter is in there and he can show it this year, you can't take that bat out of lineup. And that is a very big if with Moran. But if he does continue to hit this way, like I said, I think you could see him slide the DH and see Brian Hayes become your third baseman. Yeah, Moran's interesting to me. I had some pretty high expectations for him when the team first brought him in from Houston, you know, just knowing he was a first-round pick out of UNC with the Marlins and um, a top-ten prospect for Houston. And like you said, I knew we needed a third baseman, so I had a feeling Moran was going to be a part of that trade. His power was coming around late uh, with Houston. I believe he hit something like 18 home runs in AAA that year. Um, 
for Houston and which was a big deal. And a lot of that was talking about how he changed his launch angle. Now, of course he comes here to Pittsburgh and last year he, he had an okay year. He hit 277, he had 13 home runs, nothing to, you know, get super excited about. Like Marty said, if they can tap into that power that Houston was finding a little bit, um, you know, he obviously becomes a very valuable piece to the lineup. But at the end of the day, Cabrian Hayes, you know, he was a first round pick. He's the gold glove. He's kind of the future third baseman. Uh, when he's ready, the Pirates are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Moran. That's the way I look at that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, you know, you don't want to say liability, but you got to figure out, um, you know, it really just does complicate the situation for this team. And, um, you know, through two exhibition games, obviously it's a very small sample size, but if you can continue to hit the ball like this, you got to hope that there's some kind of return when it is time to to hand over the keys to the card to Brian Hayes. Trevor Williams getting the start uh, in game number two against Cleveland, looking like Joe Musgrove, excellent. Uh, two strikeouts, only two walks in three innings. See a lot of run. Uh, and, and, you know, this is this is a guy that I feel like everybody expected to make the biggest jump. Just because you've heard so much about him being the guy that's worked out with, with Oscar Marine the most and really been working harder than anybody else throughout quarantine, throughout this weird extended offseason. And I think it paid off on, on Monday night. What do you guys think about Williams? What I liked most about Williams on Monday night was you saw – batters who were late and were behind on his fastball and when he put together that 65 start stretch from may of 17 through may of 19 the the core of that was batters being late on his fastball he's never going to blow you away it's going to sit 92 93 at best but i don't know if it's his release point i don't know if it's deception to the pitch what it is but when he is on batters are late on that fastball or they're totally unable to pull the trigger at all and get stuck looking and that's the trevor williams we saw on monday night and if that's the trevor williams the pirates are going to get in 2020 that is going to be a massive boost in the arm not just for this starting rotation, but for the entire team. And honestly, probably makes you feel good about Williams moving forward because he was terrific in 2017. He's even better in 2018. He started 2019 really great, had that injury and struggled. But then if he can come out and put together a good 2020, that's three out of four years, really three and a half out of four years, where he was a very good starting pitcher. You're going to feel good about having Williams as one of your building blocks long term. You know, it's funny you mentioned his, his fastball, Marty, because that's one thing that really stood out to me. Uh, at one point, I saw Williams hit 95 on the gun last night. Now, I've heard some that the guns were tuned up a little bit. But regardless, his, like you said, his pitch, it, it looked firm. It had a lot of late movement on it. If he's getting it up, you know, velocity-wise up to, like you said, consistently 93 and maybe even 94 with that late movement, he's going to be tough to hit. And yeah, that he's been very good over the last few years. He had the hiccup last year. Um, but if he can get that figured out, Trevor Williams has quietly put together a really solid career up until this point. And Marty, you mentioned it earlier. You know, this is a really solid Cleveland lineup that, that these two Musgrove and Williams have come out and, and look dominant against. You can only hope that these starters continue to get more comfortable with the, the change in face there at pitching coach. And, um, you got to hope. One more 
interesting point. I'm sorry, I meant to throw this out there. Was um, his curveball usage uh, over the last three years? His curveball usage has been two percent under one percent and one percent. I know last night I saw something that he threw six curveballs, which was as many as he threw of all 2018. So that kind of shows you the difference uh, in the pitching philosophy between Searage and Marine. And that just makes it so much more effective too. I mean, you saw that curveball every time he threw it, swing and miss, or just drop right into the strike zone. Beautiful. Yeah, and I know, I know Oscar Marine did say that when he was working with Williams during the shutdown with both him living in Phoenix, that that curveball was something he felt was really, uh, really untapped potential weapon for Williams, and it was something he wanted him to throw a lot more this season. And six curveballs in a start might not sound like a lot, but when you consider he only pitched two and two-thirds innings, that's a decent amount of your pitches at that point. So I do think adding that curveball to his repertoire to go with that fastball, the late movement that batters are behind on, again, it, it can really get Williams back on track. And like Nick said, if he has a good season, very quietly Williams has put together a heck of a four-year stretch here to start his career. And Trey, you, you kind of touched on too with the curveball. You know, if anything else, you need to have that pitch in there just to change the hitter's eye levels, to change their timing a little bit. You know, you can't be once a start. You know, you need to throw it enough just to have the batter, you know, thinking about that pitch as well. A guy like Williams who has, you know, movement on every one of his pitches, that split-second decision, that split-second decision – you know, of whether that ball, you know, which way that ball is going to move can completely throw off a hitter's timing. No doubt. And, you know, you see in a bat like the one we saw on Monday night to begin the game go 12 pitches. You need that pitch to, to be effective early and, and exactly. kind of set the tone. Um, and, and he did. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to see this. One guy that could not locate at all, and we've already beat the bullpen is terrible horse um, to death, but Richard Rodriguez, I think, looked worse than just about anybody. Uh, two absolute bombs. Um, one led to Jordan Luplo, who was on uh, the Pirates at one point. In his, I, I don't, you know, we talked about it separately, but I don't, I'm not sure if Richard Rodriguez has a spot in this bullpen much longer. Obviously, he's going to make the roster, but what, what do we do? Yeah, Rich Rod Dude, was so Rich Rod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rich Rod was someone who last year we were not sure, you know, what we had in him at this point. You know, it was a similar thing. In 2018, he had a nice year. And in 2019, just like Kyle Kirk, he completely regressed. And so far this summer, he's looked even worse. I mean, his fastball normally sits like 93 to 94 miles per hour the last three years last night he was sitting around 90 um you know with already a two seamer that often lays flat and gets hit a long way if you're losing three four miles per hour off that it's not going to be good yeah and and last season rich rod just got absolutely hammered I mean, in 65 and a third innings, he gave up 14 home runs, which is almost two home runs per nine. And before anyone comes at me saying otherwise, because someone tried to on Twitter tonight, and I tried to tell them they were wrong, when he came back from his AAA call-up, don't let his ERA lie to you. He was not good 
after return from the Myers, he's still allowed 1.2 home runs per nine and still give a part contact at a 40% rate. I don't care who you are. If you're giving a part contact 40% of the time, you're going to get absolutely crushed. And that is what happened to him on Monday night. Lindor hit a bomb off of him. Luplo hit a bomb off of him. I truly believe if it was not for the expanded rosters, Richard Rodriguez would not make this opening day bullpen because he has minor league options left and because he's just struggled so much since the start of last year. So I think he'll he's going to be there to start the season, but when the rosters drop from 30 guys to 28 two weeks in, unless he has some miraculous turnaround with how he pitches in those two weeks, I fully expect Rodriguez to be one of the two guys who has shown the door when they got to get the roster from 30 down to 28. And also to be, you know, I'm just bringing this up. Luplo, uh, he's always been known as a platoon outfielder, you know, even when he was coming up through the minors and against right-handed pitchers last year in 54 games, he only batted 216 against them. So, to, you know, he made he made Rich Rod's right-handed fat. Uh, yeah, with, with, with- well, with, with, with the Luplo, Luplo does struggle against right-handed pitching, Nick, as you pointed out. And, and on our Twitter, at Runbunner, make sure you follow it. Easy plug. Um, <laughs> I follow beat writers from every other team just to kind of keep tabs on what's going on around baseball. And Emily Waldron, who covers the Cleveland Indians, even commented on Twitter tonight how Luplo's home run was off a right-handed pitcher. So whenever you have to point that out, that, that goes to show you that that guy does definitely struggle against right-handed pitching. So, I, again, I think that just goes to show the struggles of Rich Rod that he gives up a home run to a guy who is usually pretty helpless against righties. And it, you, you mentioned hard contact a second ago. It, it's We're seeing so much hard contact on pitches that are left up in the zone. You can't let guys get elevated on these pitches when the speed's not there. It's just meatballs that are that are blatant, you know, mistakes, you could even say. Um, something's got to change for Rich Rod and, and the bullpen as a whole as this team moves forward in. Credit to Cleveland. It's a great lineup um, and one that I think we saw both sides of um, when we saw the starters attack it. And, you know, we saw what they can do when the bullpen got in there. But the Pirates fall 11 to 7. A lot of great hitting in this game. Josh Bell goes deep. We saw Heredia go deep. Some guys starting to really vie for spots. Um, and Heredia, I think has pretty much locked himself into one of those outfield spots. Now that Gregory Polanco will not be starting the season. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, as soon as they announced that Polanco had the coronavirus, I assumed Heredia would start in right field anyway. Um, he's a great glove guy, just terrific glove in the outfield. And, you know, he drove in two runs Saturday night, hit an opposite field home run Monday night. So his bat has done him some favors, which has not been the norm in his career. But with his glove, if Reddy can give you an average offense, that's a very good outfielder to have in right field until Polanco's back. And, I mean, hey, you never know. Reddy has never been a guy who's gotten the opportunity to play on an everyday basis at the major league level. Sometimes that's all guys need. I don't necessarily think Reddy is going to turn into some everyday all-star for the Pirates, but he's under control through, I think, like 2022, 2023, something like that. He definitely could turn into a very quality fourth outfielder who, when he's in the starting lineup, you don't worry much about him type of player for the Bucks. No, Marty, you're spot on there. Uh, Heredia, first off, has the ability to play all three outfield positions, which is nice flexibility, especially for a team who 
kind of had questionable center field depth uh, last year when they had Starling Marte. So they definitely need to bring in some pieces there. But what he also gives them is a, a nice, like you said, fourth outfield option, a right-handed uh, bat who last year he hit 281 against left-hand pitching. So, you know, if you can find some at-bats for him in there to help spell against some of the tougher lefties, you know, when you get Polanco back or, you know, if you want to give uh, Dyson a night off just because, like I said, a tough lefty, you might be looking to get, you know, some of your weaker left-hand bats out. Then Heredia definitely can serve the purpose as a, you know, decent fourth op outfield option, right, right-handed play any of the three positions. And I think we'll see some mix and match, exactly. you know, we saw Cole Tucker playing right field tonight at one point. Um, uh, so, you know, so it'll be interesting to see, but um, a lot of these guys are, are trying to prove themselves. And I think Heredia is one of the guys that has shown he, he can improve. He can really use his bat to provide for this team. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys continuing to make improvements. We're going to dive into the youngsters next time. We'll have at least one more episode before opening day. Uh, But Toronto, the Blue Jays, earlier this week it came out that Canada will not allow them to play in their home stadium. They have been in talks with the Pirates. They want major league facilities. It seems that Pittsburgh is probably going to be their destination. How does this change things up for the Pirates when there's going to be baseball in PNC Park every day? Obviously, it's going to be... Um, a lot more different for the the grounds crew and the staff there than anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, geographically, it makes sense. Does this change anything? It will be interesting to see how uh, it changes the COVID protocol for sure with them uh, using which locker rooms they'll be using and keeping everything sanitized. And I'm sure, you know, that's probably pro- a big part of the conversation that's going on right now uh the pirates obviously being one of the teams that has apparently led the way for this you know also probably helps the league feel comfortable sending you know another team uh where they're doing it right uh in just as a fan it would be awesome to see toronto come here you know they have so much young talent uh it would be exciting to get an opportunity to see them playing at pnc park and also, of course, you have Ben Charrington, who spent time with Toronto. Uh, so there's some familiarity there. It'd be interesting to see, you know, how the two uh, front offices and would interact throughout this whole process. Yeah, Nick, you hit on my two train of thoughts. This a with Ben Charrington's history of Toronto, I'm sure that played a role in the Blue Jays reaching out to the Pirates for this. And B, it's been widely reported again, dating back to March, that no team in baseball has been better prepared to tackle the coronavirus. No team has been doing a better job with sanitation, the clubhouse, workout facilities, et cetera, than the Pirates have. So I'm sure that was a factor too. But it, it would be cool. I mean, it definitely makes me disappointed that fans can't be in the sands this year because I'd love to catch a couple games with Vlad Jr., Biggio, Bo Bichette. I mean, that would be a blast, but – I think it would be neat, and I mean, hey, the more baseball that's played in Pittsburgh, the better as far as I'm concerned. It really is a shame, you know, for the for the fans, though, because if things were normal, obviously Toronto wouldn't be playing in Pittsburgh, but if things were normal enough to have fans in the seats, there would be baseball in Pittsburgh every single day. Um, there still will be, 
It would be interesting to see which games would draw more. Oh, fans. oh, certainly. And you know, you got to think maybe, hopefully not, but maybe some fans in the city flip their allegiance just getting to see the team for an entire season. You would hope not. Um, <laughs> but for Ben Charrington, it's almost going to be like an ex girlfriend is showing up to the party. It's going to be, like <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just it, it's a it's a cool thought. And I, I originally thought maybe New York, um, but. I guess Pittsburgh is is going to be the move. It's looking like nothing's official quite yet, um, but we are just going to have to see some unfortunate news to end our episode tonight. Luke Miley has uh, uh, it's been announced that he will not participate with the Pirates this season. Um, you know, obviously this is going to affect the way catching works a little bit. John Ryan Murphy, it's a, it's his opportunity, Marty. I know you're a big JRM guy. Uh, do we see him get? And he starts, you know, how does this kind of affect things? Yeah, I'm a big fan of John Ryan Murphy. When the Pirates got him on a minor league contract in the offseason, to be honest, I was very surprised by that. I didn't necessarily think anyone would sign him to be their starter. But with how poor catching depth can be in baseball, I thought he would at least latch on somewhere as a backup catcher. I mean, he's not the defensive stalwart that Stallings or Luke Miley are, but he's not poor back there by any means. And he can give you some plus power from the catcher position. So you throw in all that with his experience with the Yankees and with the Diamondbacks. And I was just very surprised the Pirates could get him on a minor league deal. And that's why dating back to spring training, I was on board with the idea of either you option Miley to AAA and carry Murphy so you don't lose him because he didn't get a roster spot for catching depth, or you carry three catchers to start the year. And even with the expanded rosters, I thought that was going to be a real possibility that they were going to carry three so they didn't lose Murphy and had some catching depth. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm sure Stallings will still get the majority of the starts, which is the right move to do, because I think Stallings is in store for a pretty good season, and I think he could really establish himself as one of the top defensive catchers in the game. But it'll be nice to have a catcher behind him who's got a ton of major league experience, who's got experience with working with pitching staffs, handling the staff. That's all things where Stallings can pick his brain and learn. And it'll be nice to have a little bit of power from Murphy as well when he is in the lineup. John Ryan Murphy, when they when they signed him for me, like Marty said, I was surprised that we were able to get him on a minor league deal. Um he was definitely one of those names that was brought up as a potential fit for the Pirates just because of needing catching depth. But I thought it would take a major league deal. And so I, you know, just having this conversation right now, I, I do wonder how much of the 26th man actually might hurt a guy like John Ryan Murphy in free agency because a team's wanting to do, you know, something like what you're saying, Marty, where you get him on a minor league deal and that gives you a little more flexibility to use him as your 26th guy down the road. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to kind of watch how that, that group grows. And it's Jacob Stallings, I think has been um, really out of everybody in that lineup. One of the guys that's shown the most consistency over the last couple of games and just showing the you know we heard it on the broadcast tonight midseason form he looks so ready to go and it's um it's great to see hopefully the tandem uh, is is in some you know uh, quality shape this year with John Ryan Murphy now having to step up but we will get into that and much more an absolutely loaded episode coming for you later this week as well opening day is this Friday we are getting there only a few days away now the Pittsburgh Pirates have one more exhibition game against the Cleveland Indians that will be taking place tomorrow night 
We're going to break that one down and a whole lot more for you before we get to opening day on the 24th. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Rum Buncher Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. As the season continues, we're going to continue with two episodes a week, uh, trying to just bring you guys as much content as we can. Like always, you can find us on Twitter at Rum Buncher. Give us your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. Give us a, a shout out if you'd like or, or whatever the case may be. You can find us on Spreaker.com as well as fansided.com slash rumbunter and Apple Music as well. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Anity. Thank you for listening. Let's go Bucks. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details